Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Dubai Stars. Today I'm with Hanan Benkhalouk. Hey Hanan, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Hi Tony, thank you for having me. Excited to be hosted by you. Hanan is an author of a very amazing book. I'm gonna let you do the intro yourself. Sure. So my name is Hanan Benkhalouk. Yes, the latest achievement is me becoming a published author, something I'm celebrating of Seeds of Change. And I think we'll get to talk about it uh, a little bit later. But uh, uh, to talk about my journey, so I'm in Dubai since uh, it's going to be 17 years. Before that, I was in New York City, where I uh, studied and started my career journey. And before that, I was in my native Casablanca, Morocco, where I uh, was born and uh, grew up and started my initial studies. Like the first question I ask all of my guests, Why Dubai? What brought you to Dubai? And how old were you when you came to Dubai? Okay. So um, I didn't come and look to come to Dubai. Dubai called me. This is, and if uh, you read my book, you'll see that because I talk about my journey in the first chapter and I call it the Dubai call. I was just visiting my sister. It was a, a tough uh, New York winter, mm-hmm. still in March. And March here, the weather is amazing. So my sister lives here. I was visiting her. And to be honest, at the time I visited, it was um, right after 9-11, the famous 9-11 that shook the whole world, but definitely shook my world because I was there when it happened. Uh, the attack to the World Trade Center, I was there, it affected me. Definitely it impacted me as an Arab and Muslim. I felt that um, I couldn't really live the American dream yeah. that took me there. So I was a bit, you know, not sure anymore that I, I can call the U- United States of America my home, but I didn't decide to come to Dubai. It just happened that at that time, or I was still thinking, should I go back, or should I just wait until the storm is gone? And as I was visiting, I received um, a, an opportunity to work here. So I was in my late 20s, and uh, I thought, so my sister was like, we have nothing to lose. You still have a home because I have two brothers who live in New York. Try it. The weather is nice. This place is happening. I think they will appreciate your, um, you know, somebody with an American MBA who still can speak Arabic and from, from the Arab culture. Why don't you try it? And um, so that's how I started uh, my career in Dubai. And I thought I will try it for a year. And it's, it's home for me now. I, I love it. It's been 17 years. How long years. have you been here? 17 years. 17 years, yes. Wow. Tell yes. me more about the journey, how yeah, it sure. started, like step by step. Of Take course. me through it. Absolutely. So um, the company that um, uh, hired me here and offered me the job is a, one of the diversified uh, family groups. And uh, since I was a franchise development consultant in the U.S., so I did my MBA and uh, finance and marketing, and I started working in investment banking, I worked in insurance, I have a very diversified career journey. I'm really blessed because that's what brought me later on to entrepreneurship. And uh, when I was in New York City, a a coincidence, a story that happened uh, that really marked me, and I think it was a trigger of what I'm doing today. I was called to help this woman, uh, this Arab woman, who came to the U.S. with her husband. She was married very young, you know, typical, uh, married to her cousin who brought her to the, to, to the U.S. So for her, her, I mean, all her dreams was to get married and to come with Prince Charming, which means she didn't finish her school, she didn't have a career or anything. Uh, and then, you know, it's, uh, diamonds were not forever, <laughs> these two couples, so they divorced. And, and this young woman who was still very young, not educated, 
not fully educated, not no experience, definitely she wouldn't want to go back because she's going to be called a failure. So someone called me and said, let's see how we can help this woman. I sat down with her. Of course, you can help people with money one week, two weeks, one month, two months, yeah. but I thought this is not sustainable. So I kept um, discussing with her, and then I found out that she had a, um, a hobby of making jewelry, just like a hobby. And I thought, okay, well, let's see how we can convert this into a money-making business. So we, uh, I mean, I was still a student myself at the time. So we all gathered um, some funds, small fund, bought a table for her in flea markets in New York, and she started, bought some jewelry because she couldn't make enough to sell, and she started selling her jewelry, her handmade jewelry, and that's, you know, these, these kind of items are really demanded in the U.S., um, and I would st uh, spend a weekend with her to guide her how to talk to customers. I didn't know that I was already starting my business consulting already that time and my women and female talent advancement advocacy that I'm very big on today. That woman became, started making $200, $300 a day after a couple of weeks. And after a year and a half, she owned her own shop. Wow. So to me, that's when I look back. Maybe at that time it didn't mark me. I thought I was just helping somebody out of humanity. You know, you can't let people fail. But I realized that I had a talent of helping people convert a talent or an idea into a money-making business. So her story called other people, other other people that were coming in, didn't have the language, they couldn't really land a job, they wanted to start any micro-business. And so I started giving them ideas, they would want to buy a franchise, but don't know. And then I thought, you know what, this is, this is really growing, so let me go and get a certificate in franchise development. So that's how I got into the franchising business, adding it to my career, and that's what opened the door to me in Dubai. And so I was working as an operations director across the GCC for portfolio franchises for this group. And uh, of course, that itch of helping entrepreneurs stayed with me. So I was on the side, um, people from my surroundings and uh, were introducing me to some young entrepreneurs that needed help. And one of those um, were the reason that I found out that um, there was, at the time in 2007, uh, His Highness Sheikh Mohammed was uh, working on a project that became later on Mohammed bin Rashid Foundation. Today it's called Mohammed bin Rashid Foundation for Knowledge. And uh, I don't know how the universe conspired. And I was called uh, by the executive office to have an interview to end up running or heading entrepreneurship and innovation programs across the Arab world. Wow. <laughs> so that was the shift. Uh, once I was in the foundation, being in charge of those studies that look at how can we create an environment that is conducive to entrepreneurship. How can we work on having more entrepreneurs rather than youth that are looking for government to find them job because that would not sustain us. And I talk about that in the book. There's a chapter that's called the 100 million uh, shift and, and I don't want to uh, burn it here so people will, will, uh, will find out what that means. For me, it was really about how do we work on a macro level and help create mindsets that can create value. So that's the third stop or the so the first one was in New York then Dubai called me then the third stop was working at this foundation helped me really validate what started with that woman in New York I thought it was just a coincidence but when I was there I was exposed to some studies one of them that I supervised on behalf of the foundation and that PwC Price Coopers conducted on behalf of the foundation is called the Arab Human Capital Challenge it was in 2009 it's available online the report is available 
And that report showed that what we study in our educational institutions in the Arab world um, and the skills that are needed in the workplace, there's a huge gap. So whatever we learn does not really equip us for the workplace. And being exposed to that gap, I said, I don't want to be the one who points the problems. I want to be part of the solution. And, um, and that's how I started my entrepreneurial journey, sustained leadership. How can we help sustain the leadership of the Arab world? How can we help build sustainable organizations that are value-driven, that are people-driven, that are human-centered? And that's what I've been doing for the past eight years. Amazing. Like, it's a beautiful calling. But I'm just curious to know, like, the challenges that you were facing... I'm sure there was a lot. Of course, of course. <laughs> That's a big list. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, the thing is, as entrepreneurs, we get so excited about our idea. We're so passionate. And you think, just because it's I know. Yes, because I know. I know there is a need. Uh, and then you have the plan. And you think, the minute you decide, it's just going to work according to, pl- to the plan. And then you get, you know, shocked with the first that, no, it's not always like that. For example, uh, and I'm saying that in full transparency, all these ideas that we were advocating for part of the foundation of His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid um, were programs, some of the ideas we initiated, and I thought, I want to continue this call. That's my calling. And some of the private sector companies, for example, that were so into these ideas, wanted to be part of them, actually they were not. Well, they did not want to be part of the idea only. They wanted the name. So when you go to them as a small business and like, see, you said that you're interested in making this change, whether about female talent uh, development or youth development or, or organizational change, and they look at you, you're small, you're not one of the big four. Um, no, I don't want to work with you. They don't say that to you directly, but that was the first shock because it's exactly the same work. It's just that my name is Hana bin Khalouk and my company is new. And that was the first um, struggle. Financing, of course, when you start alone, um, you know, as a startup, there are, there are cost of setup, there are cost of running. Of course, I made sure that I have that six month at least emergency, yeah, yeah, cover emergency fund. But I tell you, I got to um, some instances where I felt, as they say, I was going to drop the ball. I just thought, this is never going to happen. Uh, but again, I went back to what I call my three P's to success. Again, after I started, when I took off, I went back and I thought, those are my three P's, and I suggest that. And I do a workshop about them for entrepreneurs and, and uh, uh, young career, um, you know, people who are just starting their careers. It's passion. Of course, you need to be passionate about something. That's what keeps you going. Um, if you're not really passionate and, and obsessed, I would say, not just passionate. You need to be obsessed about making that change. For me, that problem that I was exposed to, that woman that I saw in New York, I did not want to see women like that anymore in the Arab world. I was obsessed about that. I cannot see somebody who's helpless just because her husband left her, for example. So that was the first peep. So once you know what you are passionate about, you will start. You know what you want to start, and it will keep you going when you fight, face challenges. But it's not enough because you can find out, yeah, I'm passionate about this. Okay, but start something. So the second P is proactivity. You need to be proactive. You need to start something. You can't wait for people to come help you. You have to start knocking doors to make it happen. But even when you knock doors, and that's what I went through. So all these three, they came, they came to me. It's not a theory because I lived them. The third P is persistence. 
because not every door you're going to knock is going to open the first time. So you need to be persistent. You need um, to take those no's and don't take them personal. You cannot let that uh, make you really desperate that, oh, nobody wants to help me. You have to be persistent. And I think through that, that's what got me to where I am today. And um, I would do it all over again if I had to come back, uh, really. So Beautiful journey. Thank you. Like, thank why you. wouldn't you? I just want to ask you, Hannah, like, it, even in my daily life, I always like run to people and then these people, they were like, we don't know what you want to do in our lives. And I'm like, what's your passion? And they were like, uh, we don't have a passion. Like, what do you like? They were like, we don't like anything. This type of people, how can you help them? How can you let them find something? Yeah. Of course, uh, I do. And like I said, um, I do this uh, workshop of the three Ps, or I do it as coaching as well. Um, I just ask them to look back since they were children. What, was, what were the activities that they enjoyed? Everybody must have been enjoying something, even if it sounds silly, even if it sounds that it cannot be converted into an activity. So what is the talent? Like what, when people describe you, even when you were a kid, when you were playing with your cousins or your friends or in school, what would they say Tony was good at? What is the skill that you remember that you were always, when you played games, how were you winning? What are the games that were you winning? Uh, so we, we work with them with questions and evoking from them until we find talent. It's really as simple as saying when among your siblings, everybody has a skill. Everybody was good at something whether it's, uh, uh, you know, organizing um, the house or winning a certain game, cards game, or cooking the kitchen or helping the mom or whatever it is, or memorizing things. Everyone has certain kind of skills. And so it's about knowing um, what is your talent and what is the opportunity. So we call it the top, top model. So you find your talent, which is the skills that people know you for since you were a kid, things that you enjoy doing, um, and things that if you never felt time going. Like when you were doing something and you don't get bored, uh, you could spend two hours, three hours doing you never get bored. So that's what takes you to your passion. So talents and then opportunity. Once you find your talent, you look at what are the opportunities that um, could be presented with this talent. And with that, you find your purpose and your passion. So that's the top model. I mean, it's, it's a whole work. It's a process. But it's a sure. process. Yeah. But trust me, you had a lot of uh, young people like that that were just stubborn saying, I don't have a purpose, I don't have a passion. This is such a, such a buzzword. Um, but if you're willing, obviously, as they say, you can take the horse to the water, but you can't make them drink it. So there has to be that will, I want to find what my passion is. But if somebody is not willing to move, is not willing to change their life, then there is nothing you can do to help them. So there is a big part, as they say, 10%... Um, uh, what happens to you in life. 10% of life is incident. 90% is decided by how you decide to react to it, no matter what the event. That's why you see same events, same schooling, same uh, problems or issues or crisis, different results among different people. Because 90% is decided, you say, okay, if there is a problem, I decide to react to it that way. So the first um, affirmation or the first realization that we need to know is that we can't keep blaming, we can't be passive and blame everything. Oh, the, the market is too crowded, uh, there's a crisis, there's corona, there's this, there's nationalization, all kinds of excuses. It's, uh, you know, that's what will decide. If you decide to be proactive, to take charge, 
as you say, Tony, and then you will find ways how to find your passion, how to find the opportunity, and and how to develop, build that skill. Maybe you'll find that, okay, I like this, but I don't have this skill. Then you will find opportunities how to cultivate that skill to make it, uh, you know, conducive to bring you an opportunity of work, an opportunity of success, or no matter what it is. What I'm finding recently is like I'm feeling people don't want to work anymore, don't want to do any any effort you know it's like i'm not talking about my businesses luckily yeah. i have the best teams they're all passionate about right. what they're doing they're doing amazing but if i'm i'm using a third party like whatever service i need is like i ask them okay how much this will cost me what's the time frame one week that's the cost great transfer the money three weeks later there is nothing why oh it's corona oh uh, but yeah. eventually it's not corona it's just people like they just want the end result they're Maybe scrolling all the day on Instagram and seeing these people on vacations yep. and the Maldives and seashells, enjoying and they want this. Amazing. You have your goal. Yep. Work for it. Exactly. So this is what I'm finding. Like it's becoming a, like a great issue nowadays since the pandemic started. Yes. And it has to be like uh, identified or just to find solution for it because end of the day, everything is possible if the millions will make you happy work for the millions absolutely if uh, i don't know something else will make you content work for it but by you sitting on your couch dwelling it's never going to happen yes i agree with you and also thank you for saying that because that's what i was going to add the measure of success is different per- from person to person we don't have to just look at people on instagram which we don't e- we're not even sure if that's real if those people are really happy with that lifestyle so the first thing is that make your own choices sit down and ask yourself will that really make me happy if i own that if i go on vacation if okay this that's an end that's a how but what is your why what's going to really make you happy and how you can define success i don't define success by the millions i make i'm not interested in being a millionaire if it happens great but i'm not interested i measure success by the number of people i impact positively in my life when somebody that i don't know sends me a direct message on instagram and say since the day i heard you speak in bahrain and and i spoke to i don't know it was like 150 people i wake up every day asking myself what is my purpose and i change my life thank you very much i just want to t- tell you thank you that's not a million dollars could give me that that's satisfaction yeah. so and you know and i'm not really speaking fluffy stuff it's real this is real because impacting people's life and paying it forward so that person who said that she said she was bored with her life she never knew what was her purpose and when she so heard me speak about purpose it triggered her to start thinking and reflecting and now she's helping other people and that's how we multiply the positive impact at the end of the day if we haven't learned a lesson from the past 18 months we're well, now we going to wake up True. that with all the money we could not stop this it takes more than money just to 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 live a fulfilled life people with money were stuck they had their private jets they have all the money but they could not go anywhere so sometimes if you can be happy by yourself and if you can be fulfilled with something that you do and define how you want to have your success measured uh, then you're never going to be able to live a happy life that's what it starts i would say speaking yeah. of fulfillment what yeah. was the best fulfillment moment when your tears start falling and you were like you felt like you're so powerful by spending you know like spreading this message when i launched my book i'd say yes and when was that 
That was last August. Okay, congratulations yeah, for you. that, by the way. You thank just you. hit Amazon top seller. Yes, thank you. Yes, I was uh, surprised, to be honest. Pleasantly surprised. Because you see, each author, and, and you're one of us, uh, each author has that wish. Once you become published, definitely, you're like, I would love to hit number one bestseller someday. Uh, but when it happens, you know, within weeks, uh, it, it has a different... Uh, different feeling, of to be course. honest, and um, and to me, it's not really the rating that matters. It's the feedback that I receive. Uh, when when I read um, feedback, if you go to Amazon.ae, you'll see some of the feedback. Not too many reviews, but it's by the quality, not the quantity. When someone says the word that you have dreamed of hearing about your book, when I intended to write that message, to write that book, and to spread that message, that's exactly what I was dreaming about hearing people say. And if some, somebody who I, who I don't even know says those words, it's priceless. And, and really, I had tears of joy because I'm like, that's it. My, this is my legacy that I want to leave after I'm gone. And even if just one person has been impacted and understood the message and is talking about it and who doesn't even know me, that's, I mean, no, no money in the world can really, I can use to buy something like that. Of course. Yes. Let's talk more about the book, sure. if you don't mind. Like, uh, just like break it into milestones yeah. or three, four chapters. Sure. Like, tell me more about it. Uh, this book is the messages for yeah. who. Yeah. And sure. Please. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Well, let me just take a little bit back when when I decided to start um, to write the book. It was in November 2019, and I thought, you know, I've been working for a couple of decades now, and because uh, I started working when I was in university as well, and I think I've and I worked in so many diverse, um, diverse industries, and uh, what made me become an entrepreneur is that I wanted to see change in the workplace. I knew that this is not going to sustain us, and I'm a change strategist. I'm an innovation strategist. I want to help build um, innovative cultures in, that will make us sustain leadership. We don't want to be the Nokias of the world and the AOL because no company can sit on the throne of, of, uh, of its leadership forever unless you're ready to change all the time and um, feel or sense what's happening, what's changing around you so you adapt yourself. So I, the idea came to just um, spread that message that the world is changing around us. So it was November 2019 I decided, started writing, and then March we had the biggest case study. I can't say I was happy it happened, but I was happy it validated my message. Because when I used to pitch these ideas of how we need to bring more of human centricity to business, think of your customers as human beings, so when their behaviors change, you're ready with the next product, with the next service, because things, the technology is disrupting us. So when corona happened, or the, the corona crisis happened, it woke everybody up that, yes, things are changing around us. And if we, if we don't ad adapt, to the environment, then we're going to be dead. So it's really disrupt or die. So the message is for everyone. Could be something, who, somebody who's just starting his or her career, could be an entrepreneur, could be already an established business, because again, the word established is no longer valid. You, you're never established, because you need to be already always changing. And also to government, because at the end, how do we plant the seeds of change to sustain our leadership? And seeds is also a framework uh, that could be followed as it is, as, as a methodology, it's about sense, because today we can't predict change. We can't always have all the facts to make decisions, so we need sometimes to sense what is right. Second is E, for engage. We can no longer take decisions alone. We can't sit in oval um, offices uh, with the big four and decide, oh, yeah, this, this product is good, let's launch it. 
You need to go outside, listen to people, immerse yourself, watch them. What are they saying? What are they dreaming about? What are they complaining about? That's where you get your next big idea, not by sitting and listening to um, uh, you know, consultants. You need to feed from the people, from the outside in. We used to do inside out, now we need to do outside in. And that's what I explain in the engage. The third E, or the second E and the third letter is empower. What I, mean, what I mean by empower here is not just your people, your employees, and you're not doing it because you want to be good. Because today, the change that we've, and we have seen this in Corona, when it's crisis, when the house is on fire, decisions have to be made in a snap. If everybody that is working under you has to wait for Tony to approve, it might be too late. So we need to empower our people. As a leader, we need to create more leaders, give them certain authority so they know what is the right decision to take. But that needs a whole development, which I explained. And also empowering your customers with choices, with options, with transparency. You can't hide. If there is a problem, communicate it. Because today the world is digital. Everybody could go to Amazon and put a review. So if you hide something, it's going to come out. So empower them with that transparency. Engage with them. When you get feedback from customers, what do you do with that? It's not about every time I buy something, they send me, please send us feedback. Fine. I send you feedback and I tell you it doesn't work and nobody calls me and it, and it takes two years and nothing changed. Yeah. So, and then D is about development, as in continuous development. How do we keep changing our products, our services, our way of doing things, our processes, developing our people so that we remain relevant. If we do that right, which is C, then we will multiply the seeds and the last S is about sustain. So how, we do, how do we sustain this effort? How do we contribute to a sustainable world? How do we no longer see economy and social as fragmented? We can no longer do business irresponsibly and then take this 2%, 5%, whatever, and say, all right, let me find a charity and see what I can help. Or let me find a school that is teaching um, kids how to clean oceans while I am ruining the ocean. It can't work like that. We need to have the social element embedded in the business model, how we make money. I'm not here to preach that uh, we will all be philanthropists. No, actually, I don't want that anymore. I want businesses to make profit for purpose. That's the kind of model that I advocate for. Make profit, but at the same time, solve a uh, social problem while making profit. So that's what the book is all while about. While making an impact also. And while, exactly, solve problems to make impact, absolutely. Actually, um, the slogan of my company, Sustain Leadership, if you check it, it's driving positive impact in business and society. That's what we do. It's a company, it's a consulting company. We go to business to help them drive positive impact on their people, on their customers, on the wider world, and also to, to make business and society as one. And that's what we strive to do. It's a mentality. When I yes. adapted this mentality, I started seeing uh, massive changes in the performance. Well, like when the purpose was just to solve the problem, not to make money. Yes. The money really followed. The money is an a outcome. Lot. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. So I totally understand this concept. Well, that's amazing. Um, Moving a bit from the book, uh, I know that you have workshops and I know yeah. that you have other groups mm -hmm. that you are into. Please share with us more. Yeah, sure. Well, um, apart from uh, the business and, and the book that is advocating for this new uh, leadership model, if you will, uh, being known for running spaces for women, 
Uh, I call them spaces for women to thrive, but it's really peer support um, spaces such as the Lean In. If people don't know about Lean In. It's an organization that was started by the CEO of Facebook, Ms. Sheryl Sandberg. And I co-founded with my ex-business partner the first chapter in the Middle East. So we're regional leaders of that Lean In. We met Sheryl Sandberg in Silicon Valley in 2016. It was an amazing experience. And the idea is how do we gather to find ways to bridge the um, gender gap? Um, But that kept growing in my mind, and now, after seven years of doing that, going to eight, I thought we need to shift the narrative a little bit and create a space where both men and women can talk together how to solve this. It's, It's another societal problem. But this societal problem is not just a women's issue. It's everybody's issue, because when women thrive, the whole humanity thrive, as they are saying today in Expo 2020. And so it's about engaging both men and women, you know, in human-centric discussion, not gender-centric discussion. And with that, I launched um, an initiative. It's a think tank for now. It's it's growing to more called Tawazun. Tawazun means balance in Arabic. So when you say balance, even the connotation of the word is so positive. And I want to shift the narrative from equality to balance because I personally don't believe in equality because that limits us to just benchmark into something that already existed. Yeah. Why can't we create new, new um, rights for women? Why does it have to sound like we are battling, uh, that, uh, that we are rivals, that we are divided? So um, we might reach the same or more, but when we start pitching for balance, we are engaging both. We say, we don't want women to take over um, and then men leave and then women are taking over. No, we just want balance. When we want, it just happens that today there are less women at the top. So we want to bring more women. We are focusing on more women so that we can achieve balance. It's not that we want to push men away. And that's the message that I want to get there. That yes, we need you as one man to work together. How can we bridge this gap? Because it's not about putting women in the workplace or on the top decision. Because if she's going to lead with the masculine model, we have not served the purpose of diversity. We're talking about diversity. We want feminine leadership and masculine leadership, which is, you know, and I don't want to get too philosophical about this, but really, it's when we talk about feminine attributes, we're talking about empathy, we're talking about collaboration, risk aversion, and these attributes can be taught to men as well, except that they are innate in women. So when we bring in more women to the business, the business will also benefit because when you have diversity, you have creativity, you have different perspectives, you have innovation. So with these spaces, that's what I'm trying to create. Tawazun is very recent. I invite everyone to join. And it's not just about gender balance. It's about building balanced people, balanced work environments, and balanced society. And the slogan is together for a more balanced world. And if we haven't learned that from the past 18 months, then we haven't learned anything. We need more balance in the world. Where do you find the challenge? And um, is it in the corporate life? Is it in the house? Is it in general? Like, where do you find challenge making the woman feel like she is equal, balanced, or even superior? It's, it's really about how the, you see, like these gender stereotype roles, for example. So when the woman is, uh, now she's, she wants to work and she wants to take uh, uh, high positions, but the society still sees, sees her as the only one responsible of managing the household, for example. So what is the balance here? She cannot be out, do 50-50 out, and then do 100% back home. And that's why we're talking about balance. So that's the challenge of keeping this life balance. But sometimes we are guilty of that. I'm not here to blame only the other gender. 
Sometimes we as women, and I say that to all the women in our spaces, we are guilty because we feel that we want to do to have it all. We want to be super wife, super mom, uh, you know, uh, super good looking, um, super boss. We we don't have to be super all of that. We can just be good. It's you know that it's done. We need to get things done. We don't have to be perfect. So and that's why I always call women to call for support, call for help. Maybe you're not talking to your partner to engage him to helping you in other things. Because sometimes we need to talk. We can't just assume that men are not willing to help. Maybe we need to educate them on how they help us create this balance. But if we want to assume all the responsibility and we want to say, no, that we've got everything under control, then it's our problem. And, and that's the kind of messages, this is the kind of, of change, of shift in the narrative that we want to create with Tawazun, to bring in these case studies, to talk about them, and to face, confront both men and women with, it's very simple, just sit at a table together and discuss it and challenge those, those gender stereotyped roles that are, that are uh, forced by the society sometimes. They're not real. Society are ruthless. You know, I'm going to talk about Lebanon, the country yes. I come from. Okay. okay. So we don't put it in the Arabic world. Let's put it yeah, somewhere. Yeah. So it's like if a woman is working and the society will like, this, what kind of a mom she is, she's leaving the kid with the nanny. What kind of a kid he will be yeah. when he yeah. grows up being raised by the nanny. When the mom works, society will jump on the husband as like, what kind of a man you are. You're leaving your wife yeah. to bring the money. She lost respect for you. Yeah. So this, uh, I don't know how to call it. I mean, but this one has to be broken. Yes. And I don't know how it's going to happen because I am seeing even with the new generation, people are listening to yeah. the previous ones and it's being like inherited. But that's what we aim to do. If we raise awareness, if we create good content, if we're bringing these examples, if we face people with the question, because like I said, when I started confronting many women in my spaces, do you really want equality? Or you just pick and choose equality and rights but not obligations? They started telling me, oh, never thought about it this way. You're right. So the same way I impacted a few women who shifted, started shifting, and started having different talks with their partners, started understanding that sometimes it's not fair when, when we just look at ourselves, we don't look at engaging the other, the other part. Maybe, maybe they don't know, maybe they're ignorant about what we want. It's, it's our responsibility to say, hey, this is what I want as Hanan. It doesn't have to be equal. As Hanan, I don't want to be equal to men. So why do we have to generalize that uh, women want to be equal. And then when we start giving them those equal, equal opportunities in the obligation, they start saying, but that's not what I want. This is too much. I'm a lady. All right, well, you need to, to understand or, or at least specify what you want as a woman, as an individual. Forget generalizing everything. So what we aim with Tawazun as a think tank and uh, it's really to engage community and at least try to save the new generations. Let's educate them about working, uh, you know, as teams, not divided. Together. Let's yes, together. Let's help them challenge those stereotypes that are not coming from religion, not coming from they're just coming from society, and we can challenge them. But we have to start somewhere, and we have to keep spreading the word. That's the only way. That's beautiful. It's yeah. like a dream coming through, and yeah, I really I, hope I, we will see this happening. Hanin, thanks a lot. It, this has been amazing. Let's tell the audience how they can reach you. It's like I'm gonna be putting your Instagram credentials, yes. uh, book of uh, sorry, the, your book, which is uh, 
Seeds of Change is found on Amazon. Yes. What else? Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Apple Book. So if you just uh, Google Seeds of Change with my name, because there are a lot of products called Seeds of Change. So Seeds of Change, and then you put my name, then you'll find it. It's it's available. Uh, just Google my name. I have a lot of content. I have my sure. articles. Regarding the workshop? Yeah. Yes, the workshop as well. Yes, so all the information is there on the website and my personal website, and uh, and I have articles on Forbes Middle East, on Harvard Business Review that you can also read. We will share everything yes, on this video. Yes, Thanks a lot for coming. This has been amazing. It's been a pleasure sharing these insights on your platform. Thank you for creating this space for knowledge. Thank you, Tony. Well, you listen, guys, to this amazing guest. See you in the next episode.